The Road is about a man and his son traveling in a harsh post-apocalyptic world. Based on the book by Cormac McCarthy, the film features a lead performance by Viggo Morrison and a slew of surprising faces, and one of the most grim examples of the subgenre. Welcome everyone to the Atomic Cinema Experiment. I am Peter, and I am joined as always by Tara. Hello. And we're on a long road. Has it been a long road? It has been a long road. Getting um, from there to here. <laughs> I, I should know better than to reference the theme song from Star Trek Enterprise. Enterprise. <laughs> uh, uh, welcome, everyone. It's a science fiction movie podcast. We get together. We talk about a movie we watch. Uh, coming up on this episode, we are talking about The Road. In fact, this is the start of our little mini post-apocalyptic season. We're doing four episodes, um, all with post-apocalyptic movies. And this was one of the obvious picks that we hadn't done before, which I thought we should do. Um, I saw this in theaters when it came out. Um, I mean, it came out in 2009. I saw it in the UK. It came out in like February 2010. So that's when I saw it. But it's a 2009 movie directed by John Hillcoat. It's based on a book by Cormac McCarthy, who I think just passed away like last year, maybe? A couple of weeks ago, I want to say. It was a couple of weeks ago. Oh, I knew it was recently. I don't know if it was that recent, but fair enough. Um, maybe, yeah. maybe I'm wrong. I heard in passing when I told yeah. I was watching The the Road, they were like, oh, the, the author just died a few weeks ago or something like that. Yeah, it was definitely recent-ish, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's a post-apocalyptic story. Viggo Mortensen plays uh, a father, and then his son is played by Cody Smith-McPhee, and they are just traveling down uh, the road. They're going south because it's warmer there, and everything's barren, and there's never an outright reason given for why the apocalypse happened. You know, they never give a direct, like, oh, it was nuclear war, or it was extreme climate change suddenly happened, or or whatever. They don't go into it. It's just, it's very vague and we're in this world. There's some flashbacks but that is the that's the movie. It's them travelling and trying to survive and just seeing how harsh this world is. So that's the basic gist. We'll keep it spoiler free until we warn you, of course, and we'll get into it. But had you seen this before? I actually had seen I want to say like the first hour of it before it was, it was just one of those ones that was on TV and I was in a place where it was on and I, I didn't like want to fully commit to watching it because I was already, I already missed some, or I guess, I don't know, but I couldn't help but notice it on TV. Yeah. <laughs> but I remember, I remember certain specific scenes, mostly ones to do with, uh, with woman. <laughs> With, with, oh yeah, because uh, Vigo is credited simply as man, and uh, she she is credited as woman. He's his wife, uh, who's not in the bulk of the movie. She's only in flashbacks. Uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, yeah. So I guess I'll just I'll just ask the question: What did you think of the road? <clears throat> I thought it was one of the most dour films I've seen in a while. <laughs> This movie should have been, not should have, but like you could have made this black and white and it wouldn't have made a heck of a difference. Um, I think that it is definitely an, a good, maybe the most like, I want to say accurate, but more, it feels more realistic as far as like a um, <clears throat> a post-apocalyptic world and surviving in that, what that would look like or what that would be like. 
versus um, something that's a bit more fun. Um, but that being said, I would rather watch Waterworld again. It's <laughs> <laughs> way more fun. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a very dour, sad, depressing movie uh, with all of the glimmer of hope. And you have to really be looking for the glimmer to, to really capture it. It's, yeah, the movie doesn't give you a lot of them, so... <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's very depressing, it's dark in places, it's 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 a, it's a you know, hundred or so minutes uh, tour of misery. And, yeah, I, uh, I would say that it's good, it's definitely worth a watch. Yeah, no, it's definitely got a lot of strong direction in it, the performances from the lead actors are all really, really solid. Because uh, mm -hmm. the kid especially, like, he feels like he's acting younger than he should be, but he's also been raised in this world where he's not went to school with other kids and he's not been he's not been allowed to mature in the same way that kids yes. in the real world do. So he comes, you know, he's still saying papa and he's still and he feels a bit too old for that. But yeah. Yeah, and he like he like reaches up like for his his dad, you know, a lot. Yeah. Like like a young kid would, like, you know, pick me up kind of a thing. You know, like you just notice little body language like that, like, oh, he's never well, he's also like his dad's constantly protecting him all the time. So, like, he is a baby, and he does need to because this world is that harsh. <laughs> like, that's that's yeah. not him this overreacting. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll get into all that good stuff, and there's some actually some pretty famous cameos or small parts, which I won't spoil until yeah, we get totally. spoilers. But there is some faces that pop up throughout the movie. And um, the director John Hillcoat, he uh, did a movie with. Guy Pierce called the proposition a few years before this, I think, and then he did a movie called Lawless a few years after this, which was like a wasn't a western, but it was like set during like prohibition gangster kind of times. Mm, yeah, I, I know that movie. Yeah, it had a pretty all star cast. Uh, type. In fact, it was only one year after this. Jeez. Uh, but yeah, that's the movie I'm thinking. Yeah, it's the movie, the Tom Hardy Shia LaBeouf movie with um. Uh. Yeah, and also Guy Pierce, funnily enough. Uh, also Jason Clark and Jessica Chastain. Love yeah. him. Well, Gary Oldman's in that goddamn movie. That this that's an all-star cast. That thing is stacked. It's a shame the movie was quite boring, but mm -hmm. <laughs> it was stacked. I'll give it that. Um, yeah, obviously this has source material, um, which I think, to be fair, maybe at least a proposition. I think also has source material to to work on. Um, I think. I like the movie. I really like the music in the movie. I think the music does a lot, especially in a few key moments, to really like elevate what's going on and give it some mm -hmm. atmosphere. Um, I will say though that the movie doesn't really have much of a structure. It kind of uh, progresses in like segments where, okay, this is the segment where they encounter this thing or this bad person or this thing that's going on, and they have their encounter and it wraps up. And then it's time for the next segment. And there's mm -hmm. less like a progression really over the movie that feels like an arc and it feels like a typical three-act structure. And it's more just, here's a series of about seven or eight bits that are all strung together with these two characters. Oh, there are bits in this movie, all right. It has made my spreadsheet. <laughs> oh, okay. I know what you're talking about. Uh I, I forgot that, yes, there is... I, 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 I told Tara there was not any uh, front nudity in this. And technically it's not front, but uh, there is a scene where Viggo Mortensen has got into a lake and he's naked from behind and his, uh, his dangly bits can be seen through his legs. Uh, mm -hmm. 
a fa fairly well, in fact. So, uh, yeah. But if you want a good look at them, go watch Eastern Promises. Because <laughs> I know, I know that one's uh, that one's on my to watch list. Uh huh. I'll probably watch it tonight. <laughs> just kidding. Okay. I don't know. Just sometimes I'll watch that tonight, especially since it's already kind of late. I'm like, what? We're going to make a night of it. Get some candles lit. Put on <laughs> Eastern Promises. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a nice movie to go to sleep to. I mean, it's a Cronenberg film, right? <laughs> this joke's probably too far. I'm not going to say. <laughs> nice. I'm not going to say it, but just be known that it was about to get very lewd. Anyway, uh... what a surprise! <laughs> That's surprising. I never get lewd. I'm a. Mm -hmm. I'm a, up, up, I'm a gentleman and an upstanding citizen. Scotsman. Scotsman, sure. I don't know why I'm debating that part. I've always, obviously, that's just, yes, of course I'm not. That's factual. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, yeah. Uh, I, I think the, the movie's good, but I don't think it's perfect. But I do think when it's nailing what it's going for, I think it is maybe some of the best moments of any post-apocalyptic movie. But then when I look at it as a whole mm -hmm. and like I, I think about the actual experience of the whole movie, it, it, it doesn't quite add up to like a full movie experience that I love. So it's kind of, yeah. you know, it's, it's, I guess I, feel, I say I'm feeling a bit mixed on it because of that. I'd, still, I'd say I'm overall in the positive, but I, I, it's not quite the knockout the park that there's some early scenes that made me think, on the first viewing anyway, that I thought it was going to be like really special. I think as it is, it's got some really special elements and moments. Um, like there's yeah. a, early on in the first like 10 minutes, there's like a narration. And this happens every so often where Vigo narrates some stuff. But he's basically just explaining the status of the world. And like the main theme comes in and the, like this piano with like, the, I don't know if it's like a cello that's like backing it. And it's just so moody and it's so good and sad. And just kind of like this, like you just, you feel like you're in the post-apocalypse. It's so good. But then, like I say, the progression's kind of like, you know, it's this, this sort of episodic structure almost of of them encountering different things. And it, it's just not as satisfying as a movie overall, I think, because of that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's some there's some good villains in it, you know, like the, the things that you're trying to avoid that might, you might, um, you know, not just survival in the environment, but also obviously people. It's, a lot it's of very... the, yeah, a lot of the Go people ahead. who have survived uh, are not too nice. <laughs> Which is what you expect in a post-apocalyptic yes. movie. But like I compared to it earlier, it's not like Waterworld where you have like a really fun villain and all these, the, oh, I don't know, these goofy, elements no. of things that you have. It's not goofy at all. And so it is very much almost like watching uh, like a season of the walking dead or something you know we're just okay now we gotta go to this point to this point just when we have some hope it's now we gotta move again and it's uh it's reminding you how dour everything is and things just keep progressively getting worse and worse um yeah it's, yeah. it's a lot it's a lot of weight while but you watch the film i think notably though it's not stretched out over several seasons of a tv show so it doesn't have that same no like it does benefit from that yeah it, 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 it <laughs> makes its points it's concise it, it says what it's going to say um yeah, yeah we'll, we'll get into everything but I, I think we'll just uh we'll give the spoiler warning so we can talk about uh, everything that goes on in here 
and we'll we'll get into it. Um, so the backstory, which is told through kind of some flashbacks, and when we say backstory, it's not a backstory of the world. It's more just the experience of like Vigo and his wife and his young son, and like what they were like when things were happy, what they were like when things were deteriorating, and kind of like the big dramatic kind of like ending to that previous status quo. Um, and this movie in a lot of ways is kind of like, it reminds me a little bit of The Mist in that it's kind of about losing hope and how even in the darkest of times you have to keep hope. Um, and the backstory is very much that the wife, uh, played by Charlie Theron, so, you know, big name to get in that role, uh, how she just completely loses hope and mm-hmm. she wants to commit suicide with her whole family like a lot of other families are doing because things are getting that bad. And then there's scenes in this movie where they go into a barn and there's an entire family who are all hanging and it's not no one's murdered them this is something they've done to themselves um because it's better than the ulterior which is trying to scrounge for food in a world full of cannibals and rapists and whatever else is out there so mm-hmm. um super super dark i mean what did you, what did you make of all this like the wife stuff i this is the stuff i remember from the first half viewing i had before um i remember thinking that she was just awful like vico is supposed to be having like all these flashbacks of her being like and and there are some of them being like in love together and like being sexy with each other and stuff like that and but like every time I see her, I'm just like, get her off the screen. I hate this. She's bringing me down even more from a movie that's already like so much weight is on me from watching it. I think, and I think that's kind of intentional because I think like his position because it's like it's like one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie is a scene about I don't know half hour in or so, but but a third in where he basically chooses to let go of her as a memory. And that's mm-hmm. not to say that he doesn't think about her again, because he does, but he makes this choice to go out and like throw a photograph away and throw his wedding ring away. This idea that holding on to the memory of her is actually damaging for him and his son, because she, by the end, represented giving up. And yeah. all, all it's doing is like, sort of like making them sad and stuff. So he has to like let her yeah. go. Um, I love the music during that scene as well, might I add. It's quite good, and like it's it takes place right after, um, you know, the kids saying I, he wishes he was with mom, and then Vigo's like, "You mean dead?" And the kid's like, "Yeah," <laughs> and so like, okay, we need to forget your mom. <laughs> well, which is kind of the point of the movie is Vigo trying to inspire his son that even as bad as things are, you can't just give up. You have to like, you know, as he puts it later, we have to carry the fire. Mm-hmm. Like on the inside, the, the will, the will to live, yes. the will to survive. Um, you have to keep hope. You have to keep all these things. Um, and it's got a little bit of that. Bizarrely, maybe that's just because I love the Terminator, but it made me think a little bit of Terminator Two. Um, mm-hmm. where there's points in this movie where Vigo's so suspicious of anyone they might encounter, but the kids like, no, this person needs help. We should help them. It reminded me a lot in the extended version of T Two where Sarah Connor just wants to destroy the Terminator that's there to help them, and John Connor's like, no, we don't do that. Like, he's useful, and I care about him. Uh, how about we listen to my ideas? So I think what I'm getting at is that it's the idea that the world might get better again because people that are not as cynical as Viggo Mortensen's generation who lived in the, 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 the world of before 
and yeah. grow up and build a new society in this new horrible world. You know, there's a there's a hope. He represents the yeah. hope of the future, kind of thing. <clears throat> right. No, I, I I like that. Um, I think it does pay off quite well at the end as well. Um, but I think the um, <clears throat> the you know the kid, almost like the uh, the kid from the day the earth is still or something, because he's only ever known so much, and you would think this kid is would be way worse off since he he's you know was born after the apocalypse had started already, and has hasn't really known anything except for the love of his father and trying to survive and what life is like. But he's still like. Even though all he's known is to be afraid of people, he still wants to know that he's better than those other people, that they're the good guys. Mm, yeah. Uh, and that's something he asks a couple times, is like, are we the good guys? And mm-hmm. Vigo's like, yeah, are we always going to be the good guys? And you can kind of see the gears in Vigo's eyes sort of like turning and being like, he's not sure if he can make that promise because at some point he may have to hurt someone that maybe doesn't deserve it so that they can eat or so that they can survive or... Or whatever mm-hmm. it may be, um, I, I think that's obviously one of the main themes that's playing with. And to go back to the wife, which we're kind of trying to talk about, is um, she is this depressing character? Like you know, there's this the scene that right before we get the scene of him giving up the ring, and that is the memory of the night she left. At least I think that's where it took place in the movie. Um, and she's like, okay, you're not willing to kill all three of us. Fine, go south where it's warmer and try and survive, but. Like, I'm done. And she just, like, walks into the night. Like, she takes off, like, some of her clothes and just walks out into the darkness. <clears throat> yeah, it's definitely winter out yeah. there as well. Yeah, so she's going out there to freeze to death. Um, And, you know, she has one of the, probably the darkest lines in the whole movie where she's like, they're going to find us and they're going to rape me and then rape your son and then eat all of us. Um, And that's a super dark line. If you know, if you didn't get how severe things were in this world by this point in the movie, like that just kind of spells mm-hmm. out for you. Yeah. So, um, yeah. It, Do you like, have any speculation as to what the apocalypse was? Not particularly. So the opening narration when Vigo is talking about it, he says that it was a flash of light, which I think is intentionally vague. But obviously, if you want to believe that was a nuclear bomb, like that could be. Mm-hmm. That's what that could be. Um, but it could it could also be like a slow solar flare of some like some sort of like sun event or something. Mm. Uh, maybe I don't know. Um, it seems like there's fires outside yeah. immediately, and there's also like random tremors that happen in the earth. Yeah, that also maybe from like a giant nuclear bomb or something could have caused I don't know or multiple I mean, something like that. Yeah. I mean, if you told me if, let's say, 20 nuclear bombs all landed, like, in one country, like, would it cause earthquakes? It might. I mean, yeah, fracking cause, causes earthquakes. <laughs> Taylor Swift concerts cause uh, earthquakes, so. <laughs> yeah, she must be stopped. I agree. She's a menace to society. <laughs> Tickets are just too damn much. It's, un- it's unsafe. Like, those structures might not be able to withhold everything, so they have to stop doing it. <laughs> That's just the rule. Uh, or do, do it under like COVID rules where you can only have like th- like a third of the people now have to be spread out so there's no earthquakes. I don't know. I, I heard that there was that her concerts were showing up on the Richter scale. <laughs> I hope the foundation in those buildings is solid. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> well, we're built for that here in California. Good point. Good. Yeah, but what about what what what, 
What about like Philly? I they know. Don't... I was in the I was in the middle of Virginia the first year I lived there, and there was an earthquake, and everyone's like, "But there's no fault lines here. What was the earthquake from?" And this uh, the suspected cause was fracking. Uh, oh well. <laughs> so that's fun. That's that's not dour. Yeah, but anyway, <laughs> so the opening narration, though, when he's talking about all this, he's explaining that he thinks it's October, but he doesn't really know because he's not kept the calendar in some time. So it's just kind of vaguely this time of year. Um, and we get introduced to that he's just surviving with his son. They're just going down the road. There's cannibals. There's people who will, um, you know, do all sorts of things to them if they find them. And they're just traveling and trying to stay at anyone's sights. It's like a super dark, grisly future. And... One of the first encounters they have in the movie is like this band of raiders. And I'm calling them raiders because that's what games like Fallout and movies like Mad Max have taught me. These are raiders. Uh, but They're very gr- Mad Max-like because they are in a car yeah. or in some kind of vehicle. Yeah, and there's not a lot of those operating, obviously, in this future. Uh, so they're going down this tunnel and they come out. And it's like a horror movie almost when they all come out. Um, and it's the, so, the, so Vigo and the son hide in the woods. And this guy goes out for a piss and sees them when he's out there. And Vigo, and this is actually also very bad Max now that I think about it, is that it establishes that Vigo's got a gun, but he's only got two bullets in it. And he's never going to find any more ammo in this whole movie. There is two bullets in that gun, and that's all he's got. And he ends up using one of them here because this guy goes for the kid. Uh, so he has to shoot them. But then this guy's like, oh, why don't you come with us? You look hungry. You know, why don't you and the boy come with us? But the guy looks like yeah. he's... He looks like he's been eating human meat. You know, he, he looks like he's... Yeah. Got some issues. He goes like, wait, what you doing? And I was like, we got food. He's like, you don't have food. <laughs> <laughs> you got meat, but I, 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 I'm I, not tempted to call it food. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's kind of the first big encounter. It's, it's, it's the first big moment of tension and uh, sets up kind of the tone that a lot of these scenes are going to be having for, for the rest of the film. And and also establishes why they can't just trust people on a whim. Like, it, you know, anyone that is going to turn out to be okay, like, there's going to be some trepidation to, like, get to that point with anyone else. Yeah. So, and it uh, kind of bookends um, the scene at the very end also where the kid, you know, has to, has to see this side of humanity too, where the kid is, where the guy's like, come with us. You can be with other people. You, you can eat. Like, you know, it's not he's got to know that the difference between someone who genuinely means it and somebody who's trying to lure him in for other reasons. <laughs> yeah. He's got to judge it. Yeah. Um, yeah. so before we get to the other sort of main segments, I'll just sort of like just general wandering stuff that I think is worth mentioning. There's a moment where they find like a soda machine and he gives them what's clearly his first ever can of Coke. And the kid, um, is like, almost like doesn't like it because he's like oh it's, it's it's bubbly i don't know how to handle this uh, <laughs> it's probably the sweetest thing he's ever tasted probably yeah it's, pro- <laughs> it's, it's probably like a hit to his senses um yeah. so i, I don't but know he's I was... a kid so i'm sure the sugar was good <laughs> oh yeah i'm sure and it's the sort of thing where i'm like do you really want to get addicted to sugar and i'm like let's face it this is probably the only can of this he's ever going to have. It's, <laughs> it's the like... most calorie-dense thing he's ever eaten. <laughs> <laughs> he's probably never going to touch anything like this ever again. Uh, so, yeah, but there's little moments like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, you see them go past like certain stores at certain points. I will say for a pretty low-budget movie, 
it looks, you know, effects-wise, like, you know, they do a good job with making it feel like, you know, I mean, most of it obviously is like, you know, just a road with this forest around it or something, but there are, like, some stores that are kind of derelict. There's a, at one point there's a bridge with, like, a truck stopped on it. Um, There is at least a few, like, more prominent mall-looking areas. Not too many, mm-hmm. but there's a few. Just enough to make it feel like, oh, these places still exist. Like, it's not completely ignoring them. Um, yeah. But it does make sense that they're sticking to, like, less likely to be populated areas, given how dangerous it is. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and there's some environmental factors, too. Like, we've brought up the earthquakes before. Like, trees, random trees just fall down all the time. And the oh. the the actual trees themselves, everything looks like they're dead, like burnt, or whatever. Like everything's gray. So like the environment looks special effects wise. I mean, it looks very real. Yeah, and most of the animals are dead. That's something he says at the start as well. Um, there's obviously mm-hmm. some exceptions that we see, but yeah, by and large, there's not like a lot of wildlife running around. Uh, which makes sense if people have turned to cannibalism. It makes sense. There's not a lot of animals. Just yeah, easy to to go grab. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess we talk about some of the other big sort of set pieces and like things they go through. Um, one of the more gnarly ones that isn't my favorite in the movie, just because it goes a little bit over the top. Um, is they they find like a farmhouse and they think, oh, this seems all right, and there's like a cellar door in the kitchen, and they look inside and. There's basically a bunch of people who are all really skinny and sick, and some of them are missing in limbs, some of them have had their eyes cut out, and it basically they realize that they're in like some cannibal's lair, and this is like these are all prisoners who are being eaten like slowly. Yeah, one of them says that they're going to take us to the smokehouse, which I think means they're going to turn us into jerky mm. <laughs> or and, something like that. And this family come home and like they have to hide in the house and try and get away uh, when no one's looking. Um, that actual moment towards the end where they're having to escape is quite tense and that's that's pretty good but it definitely mm-hmm. I think because everything else was so restrained up until that point actually seeing all these people with like the, the makeup and stuff was definitely like oh shit I'm like watching like a like a movie movie now as opposed yeah. to a more serious like drama that, that it felt like yeah, before uh, definitely um, it, it turned into like Texas Chainsaw Massacre all the time just for a second, Which I was okay yeah. with actually. I don't know. I I was okay with that. But they go up to upstairs into a bathroom, and there's like a a face, like half a face in the in the sink. <laughs> mm. Yeah, and this is like yeah. one of the two moments in the movie where Vigo takes the gun and like puts it in his son's mouth. The idea being that if they're going to get caught, he'd rather end his son's life quickly so he doesn't mm-hmm. have to suffer what they're going to do to him. And he's uh, only got one bullet now. Yeah, so he can't do it to himself. Uh, which is really dark, though. That's, that's the option. Like that scene is the better option. Like this is why yeah. he has to keep this bullet in case he has to quickly kill his son, just so he doesn't have to go through being tortured, possibly raped, possibly um, whatever else. You know, yeah. It, it really, really sick and dark stuff. Um, but yeah, that's like one very segmented bit. They come across this farmhouse. They go in. They have their little like scary adventure, and they break out and they hide. And that's it. That's the, that's the segment from start to finish. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one. Another one is they're going through like where he, like the where Vigo grew up. So they go by his old family house, and the kid has this moment where he thinks he sees another kid, 
and he goes running to talk to them. Um, and it's kind of left up in there at that point, like if, if he was just hallucinating because he wants to like, see another kid, he wants to have a friend, you know, a peer, someone who's his own age. Yeah, I never really thought that he was hallucinating. I thought it was more just like, if there is a kid, then Vigo still is just like, I don't trust any kid. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because that kid's probably with an adult and that adult might kill you or me or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it makes complete sense. Um, there's just little things though where he's like, he, when he's inside this old family home, he like puts the cushion on the couch and he sits in the couch and it's clearly the comfiest thing he's sat in in probably years at this point. Yeah, he like flips it and you can actually see some color on the other side, which is a nice touch. Yeah. And he sits down and he's like, <clears throat> oh, this is nice. Um, and... And familiar, you know. Yeah, yeah. And the, the kid goes to the outside, which... which I thought it was a bit risky, given how protective he is. I'm like, you're just going to let him go outside on his own? That feels like, you know, you're just asking yeah, for trouble. Yeah, a little bit. But sure mm-hmm. enough, uh, he does. Um, Do other... we understand why the kid wants to be outside and not there? Um, well, because he's looking at the old photos of his dad and stuff. I, I, I was getting the feeling that he was, he was almost uncomfortable looking at the world from before and, like, seeing like his dad in the normal world because it kind of weirds him out yeah yeah well because one of the big things that happens about halfway or so through is they they find a house but more specifically they find this bunker which someone stopped yeah. for the apocalypse so there's a prepper yeah. yeah and it's just this bunker that's got like a metal door that they can seal from the inside and it's got bunk beds and it's got like tons of food and supplies basically if anything when it got to this like i almost like as much as like, I get the purpose of it in the movie because it's a chance for them to sort of almost live like kings. And it is literally in this world a gold mine to find a place like this. This is like mm-hmm. the act. Because I think right before this part of the movie, they're like in like a truck or they're at like they're at a campsite and they're lit- he's literally like next to his dad saying, I'm hungry. And he's like, I know. And he can't give his son anything to eat because they don't have any food. They're getting like so desperate at this point. Yeah. I think he looks in the mirror at like dress before this too and it's like look how skinny we are <laughs> yeah because like, even the kids surprised at how thin that they've gotten yeah um, reflection. and when they find this bunker vigo like trims his beard and gets all fancy dressed in a suit and they have a nice dinner together and obviously they're eating stuff that they've probably not eaten you know since before Bears. the apocalypse yeah mm-hmm. they got tin fruit they got tin everything they're, they're living life large i think this this whole segment was kind of weird for me because I, I get the narrative purpose of it but the movie's painted such a bleak, like everything's gone, everything's desolate, that this almost did feel like too much of a gold mine to find. Like it was like, oh, that's like really lucky. Like I, like I think when I was watching this, I was expecting after like a minute of them looking at all these supplies of like the kid to wake up and it'd be like a dream or something because it feels too, it mm-hmm. feels too happy almost. Um, don't get me wrong, they still put the misery in. Because as soon as Vigo hears a noise, he's like, okay, we have to leave. And he's like, no, but what about all this stuff? We can stay here for literally years. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, it, it would be years, but it wouldn't be a lifetime of food. No, that's true. So we would have to yeah. keep moving. And yeah. <clears throat> the noise that they hear is a dog outside. And if there's a dog, then Vigo's like, they're going to find us. Like, the dog's going to find the shelter or, or like, there's... If there's a dog, it's because it's a hunting dog. Like, it's looking for people mm. or something. Yeah. So, <clears throat> Which turns out to be not he's true. He's like, all right, time for us to go. 
Yeah, that turns out to be not true, though, because we see what this dog mm-hmm. is at the end. It's actually the family that are following them. Um, yes. But, it, you know, it, yeah, like, that's, that's his thinking. That's, like, his cynical. And to be fair, when I say I'm not criticizing him here, the world they're in calls for this level of, like, uh, paranoia. Paranoia, yeah. It absolutely does. Um, and there are some interesting moments here where, like, you know, he's drinking booze and stuff, and, like, the son is just kind of looking at him, like, just just mesmerized that he, he's never seen his dad be this happy and he's like you think i'm from a different world uh you don't understand like he might be stoned at this point too when he uh, says that because it kind of sounds like a stone thought um, i bet you think i'm from another world kid <laughs> uh, but it's also accurate in this case because this kid yeah. did not see the world from before it's um you know this very different life he's leading, leading. um so you know, he doesn't want to leave this stuff behind because, and even if they do have to move, like they can only carry so much. So the argument, I guess, should be they should stay here for. Let's say there's five years of food here. They should stay here for four years if they can carry about a year's worth on their little trolley thing, which is what they do. They take like a trolley and they've got some like big uh, jugs of water that they're taking with them, and they're, they're off they go. I'm like, if anything, just having this big, huge, like, cart that you're carrying with you just makes you a little more of a target, because people are like, they've got stuff. At least before, they were just carrying, like, backpacks or whatever. It's like, yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, these guys don't have anything, but no, they, they do. Yeah. No. Um, I, I don't mind it. Like, I think it's a little bit of a reminder of, like, okay, like, there is... I mean, they technically, like, won the lottery when they find this that, thing. That's what it feels like, yeah. It feels like they'll win the lottery. But even, you know, when they find a good thing, they, it can't be a good thing. It can't last. Because there are, there, there's just too many, there's too many risks involved. Like, like Vigo says, you know, like, we have to, we can't stay, but we have to, we have all the stuff, but we can't take it all with us because, you know, we can only carry so much or else we become a bigger target. And if people find out we have food... Uh, they may kill us, like or yeah, we're just more of a target now, and we're slower because we have to carry this stuff. We have to hide it all the time, so like there's just more. It, it is still pretty dour, you know. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, and I I get that the movie wants them to have a happy time together, so that it's you know mm-hmm. like it's not just. I'm glad the... they got to clean up also, you know, yeah, change of clothes. But they have to have this happy time together, so it's not just like miserable memories. Like they, they, we have to see the kid actually enjoy to be with his father, because you know it is a big difference. Because he goes from wanting to be with his mother, meaning dead, to mm-hmm. like not wanting his father to die, not wanting to be left alone. Because you know, Vigo starts coughing throughout the film, and it's kind of clear that he's probably dying. Like you know, he's something's wrong. Um, yeah, and and Vigo, uh, we I think we kind of learned he never out. Outright says it, but I think he was a doctor before, mm-hmm. so I think he also knows like he's running out of time. Um, because it seems like he's got something like tuberculosis, yeah, he's coughing he up blood, it looks like tu- tuberculosis. I don't know, yeah. Well, well, in this post apocalyptic world, I, I, I'm not surprised that that's uh, you know, because that's yeah. not a huge deal necessarily if someone gets it, you know, in the civilized no, world. I mean, there are things, yeah, there yeah. are things you can do to treat it, yeah. But obviously, in this world, it's not like he's he's got a medicine supply that you can. Yeah, if you get the TV, that's it. You're done. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, it's this kind of build, and all these segments that come after this are largely kind of like all there to advance the story of the kid, which is how he views people and how he wants to help people. 
um, because I think the next segment is like when they run into Robert Duvall, who is yeah. this old man who can he's he's not completely blind, but he's pretty blind. Like he's kind of walking with a cane. Uh, they make a, it's surprising to see an old man in this world, even. Yeah, he's just stumbling. I, I guess he's just mostly ignored. You know, just because he is just a slow old man, he's no threat to anyone, so he just kind of keeps going. Um, but he, there's a, there's a narrative point set up right at the start of the movie. Vigo sets up that one of the most valuable things in this post-apocalypse is shoes, because everyone's walking everywhere and shoes are falling apart, and no one's making any more. So if you have like well-conditioned shoes, that's a big deal. And this old man does not. This old man has like bits of cardboard like taped around his feet to like try and protect them um and the kid like wants this wants to have dinner with the old man he wants to like you know let's not leave him alone Let, let's let him you know stay with us tonight when you know, we're at our, mm-hmm. our fire and at least give him some peaches yeah and they, they have these you know they have an exchange while they're sitting at the campfire uh and the old man and he is seemingly just a kind old man who, who talks about his life and who he lost and it's this idea that one, not everyone's bad, right? But it also sets up that Vigo, even in the morning, he's like, you know what? No, he goes his own way. He's not staying with us. We're not taking on a third person. Like he's out for himself. You did a nice thing. I gave in and let you have this. But it's clearly establishing that Vigo just will not trust anyone, and the kid is starting to become open to wanting to <clears throat> help the right people and wanting to be kind to people. Is this the first time that when we meet a stranger? That Vigo says, "Why are you following us?" Because um, he starts saying that to yeah, like everybody after a certain point, he does. and and he, it just kind of comes off as paranoia. But of course, there isn't actually someone following it, them. We find out by the end. It may, I don't remember if this is the first time, but it might be. It would make sense because because everyone <laughs> before this he hasn't really talked to, so it would make sense. This is the first time he says. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of, I remember being a little bit like, why would you just assume someone's following you? <laughs> um, but, it, turns, it, yeah. it turns out to be a seed that, yeah, there actually is some people following them. Like, he doesn't, yeah, he knows someone's following them, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the next segment is they get to the beach, they get to the coast, right? Because they're going south, but they're sort of, like, going sort of diagonal towards the coast, so they can then follow the coast down. Um, and I think they're on the east coast, right? Just, I think so. If the map was pointing north, I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they... Which would make the most sense. They no. get to the beach, and there was a scene earlier on with like a lake. That's where they get naked and go into the water. But uh, here, Vigo decides to swim out to this ship. There's like a, a, a big, huge cargo ship that's out in the water. But it's like close enough to swim to. And he's like, hey, I'm going to go and swim and see if I can find anything. And I'm like, this feels risky. And he's like, hey, watch over the food and stuff. And the kid falls asleep, but this is actually one of the most tense moments in the movie, like or one of the most creepy moments, yeah. because you just see like there's someone walking like behind where the kid is, and you don't. I mean, this this whoever this is might try and kill the kid. They might kidnap the kid, and they, it turns mm-hmm. out they don't. That doesn't happen, but there is a genuine potential of that. And when Vigo comes back, the kid's fallen asleep, and he just fell asleep while all of their stuff was taken away. So yeah, I think I think the kid's like sick at this point also so that's why like he, mm. he couldn't help it like he just his body just gave out and he had to sleep so so Vigo he, i think the, he was running a fever so Vigo and the kid make chase and try and find whoever it is and it turns out to be michael kenneth williams who who also just passed away not and robert deval passed away not that long ago 
Uh, oh my god, this movie's cursed. There's a lot of people Bingo. in this movie who have who passed away relatively recently, <laughs> shockingly. But um, they run up and Vigo sort of you know confronts them and demands the stuff back, and very quickly it turns into this thing where Vigo makes him strip down and he makes him stand there naked, and it's all this kind of like so that he can't fight back, so that he's sort of like held down because he's just standing there kind of, kind of vulnerable, yeah. and. They're leaving, and eventually the kid says, wait, aren't we going to leave him some food? I think he needs it. And again, it's the kid wanting to act out of kindness. He's wanting to help this person. He's like, look, he took the stuff because he needed it. How many things have we done because we needed to do them? Like, we don't have to, like, he didn't hurt me. Like, we can just give him some food. And V was like, no, no, that's for us. We can't give it to anyone. And um, eventually the kid breaks through to him. And Vigo agrees begrudgingly to go back, but when they go back, this guy's clothes are still lying in a pile, but he's gone. So the kid just leaves like a, a can of uh, like pineapple or something on his clothes in the hopes it'll come back and get it. But it really does just kind of like feel kind of eerie. Like, you know, they had their chance to be kind and they lost it. Mm-hmm. And the kid now maybe will, will maybe live with this guilt that you know, this guy might have went off and died or something. Like, who knows what happened in these, like, 20 minutes uh, where they yeah. were making this decision. Um, but I think both the Robert Duvall stuff and the Michael Kenneth Williams stuff, they're both building up this idea of the kid and how he views people and how he wants to help people and not just be out for himself. Yeah, doesn't want to just be the bad guy. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, it's nice. No, it's, 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 it's a very sweet. powerful scene, and it's very hard to watch him go through all this too. Because, like, I I definitely feel super bad for him, and like, there's an interesting turn that happens where Vigo's pointing the gun at him, and the guy doesn't feel threatened by it. It's not till the kid says, "Dad, please don't kill him," that he suddenly takes it seriously. Like, oh no, he is capable of shooting me, or something. Like, because yeah. he sees the gun and he's not reacting to it really until until the kid says, "I think, Dad, please don't kill him." Maybe maybe I'm reading into this too much, but maybe there's just an assumption in this world that oh, he doesn't have bullets. Like, like you can't just yeah, go get bullets. Now. I think so. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the kid, the kid, obviously, the fact that the kid says that is like, oh wait, he actually has a bullet, at least one, because the kid wouldn't say that otherwise. Um yeah. So yeah, and yeah, uh, and it, it does feel like Vigo goes like goes extra vindictive here to the point where you start to sympathize with with Williams's character because. He feels scared, and Vigo's like just Vigo's going further. Too far. Yeah. yeah. Um, but also, this is another moment where he's like, "Why are you following us?" And the guy's like, "What are you talking about? I just came across your your camp. Mm. The kid was out, and that I I t- it was an opportunity. <laughs> you would yeah. have done the same kind of a thing." And the final encounter after this is they're going through like a town, and someone starts shooting arrows at. They have, well, they have like a nice moment before with a bug, where it's like, "Oh, life." life exists <laughs> but then yeah. they start getting shot with arrows and Vigo gets hit in the leg and when he went to the boat before he like got a flare gun that was on the boat so he fires the flare gun at the window with the with the shooter and we just see like a we see like the red light coming from the window but we don't know if he hit anyone necessarily and we hear a woman scream yeah, yeah. Uh, so he <laughs> runs up this ramp thing he goes in the window and sure enough, this guy was hit in the chest with the flare gun. His chest, he's just like slightly smoldering <laughs> and on fire still. <laughs> and the woman's just yelling, you know, F you, why did you do this? And I'm like, 
Well, he did it because you were shooting arrows at him. <laughs> let's, let's, let's be fair. His motive here was pretty clear. <laughs> yep. But, um... Vigo, and again, he goes, why are yeah. you following us? Yeah. He, he asks that again. Um, and she just tells him to F off, basically. Uh, so... It's, we live here. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's after this where they go. They go back to the coast. They're back at the beach because you know they've never strayed from the, the coast really. But you know they've been walking into the town area, and Vigo gets sick, and this is like Vigo like dying effectively. He's... Yeah, I'm. I'm assuming his wound has gotten bad. Like maybe if you have TB, like you can't properly heal from mm. something like. Like an arrow to the leg. <laughs> At the very um, least, it did not help. <laughs> yeah, he's probably he probably lost a lot of blood, you know, and yeah, his body's already fighting something else, so maybe he's not able to I mean, fully heal. Let's face it: in this world, there's a very good chance it also got infected. Yeah, you know that wound's yeah. probably infected. So, you know, he's lying in the beach, and there's this sort of sad Ugh, scene where he's got sand in the moon too. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> and he's, he's he's you know the sun's like saying you promise you wouldn't leave me and he's like no i want to be here with you too and one day you'll see me again but you know you have to carry the fire <laughs> all that stuff it's, it's a very teary moment <laughs> um and then then we're met with the the big guy pierce cameo where guy pierce shows up and he does look quite shady like you know he does like you know he looks like, admittedly, does he look any shadier than Vigo does most of the time in this movie? I don't know. That's I guess that's open for debate. But no, he's like but you get Guy Pierce who who's already like a very gaunt man. You know, he's got those yeah. kind of hollowish cheekbones. Like he looks like he's from this world. And he <laughs> asks, you know, is that your dad? Like, are you okay? Well, this is nice here, okay. But he's like, hey, maybe you should come with us. Um, you've got basically two choices: either stay on your own and if you do you're going to have to be very careful or come with us and he's like well are you a good guy and he's like yeah i'm one of the good guys but how do i know you're one of the good guys and he's like well you don't you just kind of have to take a shot at it <laughs> um and the, this like piano music's playing and it is kind of like don't get me wrong it's also very convenient for him the character and for us as an audience for a happy ending that there's someone good here seemingly ready to take him in at the end um, mm-hmm. But this has been seeded that someone was following them, and they say that they were following them, um, because I don't know if they specify why, but maybe just the idea that they seemed to know where they were going, and they were hoping, I guess. It's the uh, the mother that we meet, because the mother says that, I saw you, and I just wanted to know that you were okay or something, yeah, so we yeah. started following them, like because she just wanted to make sure the boy was okay. Yeah, which obviously paints this idea that she's this concerned, good, kind person and, you know, sets mm-hmm. that up. Uh, notably, though, he doesn't meet the mother and the other kids until after he's agreed to go with them. Because he, cause he, yeah. he says, do you have kids? And he's like, yeah, I've got a son that's about your age and a daughter. Um, which, by the way, when they grow up, that daughter's totally going to be his wife because where else is he going to find a wife in this world? Um, I didn't even consider that, but I suppose you're right. <laughs> I mean, come on. Like, a little, his options are limited. Didn't, I, I know. I just didn't think about it. <laughs> I mean, I, if anything, I feel bad for uh, the girl's brother because, like, he's he's not going to have anyone. Like, maybe they'll both be gay. <laughs> I mean, that's not very good for the future of the human race in this world. Uh, who would you? Who would want to bring a baby into this world? <laughs> that's an excellent point. Actually, that's a very good point. Um, but the whole point is hope, though. It's the hope is that yeah, we can we can do better. Um, 
But yeah, so after he says goodbye to his dad's dead body and kisses him, he gets up and he meets the mum. And this is an actress I know as well. She, she Most recently, she was the mum in the Lost in Space TV show, but she's been in other things as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't really recognize her. I did look her up and I was like, I don't think I've seen any of the stuff she's been in. Yeah. But she, she is quite a working actress, though. Oh, yeah, she's done tons of stuff. Uh, but she, she's very sympathetic and is like, you know, saying, hey, you don't have to worry anymore. We'll take care of you. I think my only critique of this is that it is maybe a, just a little too in the saccharine side because it's like too perfect. Like, I'm not saying that I I wanted like an element of, oh, maybe they're still dangerous or anything like that. But just I mean, the, his, the father's cor- corpse isn't even cold yet. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. It's, it's really convenient. And I get that, yes, we know they've been following. And the reason why he made contact now is because they saw the dad was dying and that they well he needs help now so that's why they're stepping in like I I get that I absolutely do but it does just feel a little bit from a viewer's perspective that the dad's died and within like a minute of screen time we have good people ready to take him in in a movie that has been nothing but like awful cannibals and rapists the entire time it just does feel a little bit too easy. Basically, I guess what I'm saying is, is that there should have been just a little bit where he's on his own. Like a little bit yeah. where maybe he has to go looking for something, you know. Maybe not food, because we know they've got food, like in the cart, but like something. Like he ha- maybe he tries to travel a little bit on his own. And, you know, maybe we we get the sense that there is people following him. And eventually it's, it's more about how they try and make first contact with them without scaring them or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's so quick that it does feel a little too easy, and I think I, I'm not so. So I'm a little mixed on the ending because of that. I like the overall point of it, but it is a little bit easy and quick. I don't mind it. I think because I've had two hours of dread at this point and misery <laughs> that, and, and to the point where I just I watched Vigo die, and it seemed to take like a day for him to like from when he was like on the on the beach laying down turning gray to when Mm. like okay he's dead (laughs) and i was just like i i was already like uh over it like i'm so done with being miserable (laughs) so i was i was very much uh happy that when the other people showed up that's fair it's like good i'm glad this kid doesn't have to go through too much more at least I do wish there was maybe, like, more of an emphasis made on, like, trying to judge if someone's good or not. And I guess it never happens because Vigo just teaches them that everyone's untrustworthy, and we, mm-hmm. you know, because that's his view. But, I mean, you said earlier that the first guy that they sort of, like, have that encounter with that was clearly a cannibal, but he was trying to say, hey, come, we've got food. And Vigo, like, deduces that this is a bad guy. I do kind of wish that after that, he sat down with the son and sort of said, look, I could just tell, like, I could see it in his eyes that he was a bad person. I wish they emphasized that he had to make that judgment call based on instinct and based on how this guy was acting, just to mm-hmm. set up that the kid then had to do it at the end with Guy Pierce. Like, the idea that he's now been forced into that position and he's going to make the choice that hopefully is correct, that this guy is okay and can be trusted, but... Yeah, I suppose. Um, I definitely felt when I was watching the end scene where i was like because when you see guy pierce he looks very much like everybody else in this world mm-hmm. where i don't know if he's good but throughout the conversation that they're having i'm like i'm pretty sure because of the way he's answering these questions that he is good 
Like yeah. he's not just taking advantage of the boy, you know, he came up and he's keeping his distance. He's saying, I don't want your gun. You can keep it. So I think I, I also make that judgment call that he's good during that scene. So I kind of already buy it. Yeah, that's fair. I, I, but it's not so much that about me believing it at the end. I'm more just saying from a, a narrative like fulfillment of like setting up this idea that we're we're bookending because you said it bookends, and I think it, it kind of does. Yeah, I think it technically does, but I think it could bookend it more if they really emphasize that it's a similar moment in both scenes where he's effectively having to do what Vigo already did early on, and he's having to use this skill to judge if this person's mm-hmm. good or not. Um, and you know, I like that he's rewarded for believing in people. I think that's a, a nice like sentiment. But like I say, I think it's just all just a bit rushed at the end. It's that it feels like oh, we have to get to credits as quickly as possible now. Vigo's dead, <laughs> so we have to go through this all in the span of about two and a half minutes, and then that's it. They've lost their narrator. The movie has to end. <laughs> <laughs> so I do think that hurts it a little bit. Um, so I th- I do think yeah. it's a good movie, and I do think it's got some great moments and like some of the peak post-apocalyptic sort of like atmosphere and mood that I've seen mm-hmm. in any type of this genre. Um, but there are these things that kind of hold it back. I think the episodic structure of it, um, the rushed ending that feels a little too saccharine, uh, mm-hmm. you know, based on the, the tone we've had up until that point. Like, I, I'm not saying I don't want it to be happy and hopeful. I do. Like, I think the movie needs the hopefulness at the end. It's just, just a little. I mean, they're still going to have their own trials and tribulations that are going to be the same know, as what know, we've seen already. I'm but. talking about the mood in that final scene. It's just a little too saccharine. Yeah. The piano's getting all happy. It just it feels just a bit too perfect. Um, mm-hmm. I th- I think it, I think you can have hope that's a little flawed, right? But ultimately, is still a very good thing and hopeful. Um, yeah. I think you could have that at the end, as opposed to all of a sudden it's perfect, and because that feels much like them fading the bunker with all the food and supplies in it that feels like winning the lottery this at the end felt like he was winning the lottery again um and mm-hmm. in, in a way that felt a little like immersion breaking for me as tara's roommates drop uh plates or whatever that was yeah i i definitely would say that the movie is good um i think that i don't want to watch it again Mostly because of, yeah, I guess the, just the overall dourness and the grayness of it. And I, I'm good. You know, I've seen it one and a half times now. Um, I think um, I think if you if you want me to make a list of post-apocalyptic movies, it's likely that this will be on there. But I, I don't have any, I don't really get much enjoyment out of it. So um, I think I can rate it. Oh, go on then. Yes, that's what we're getting to. Um, I'm actually gonna go six point five, just because it's not quite for me. Even I know it's well done, and there's definitely some standout moments in it, um, and some great acting. But like, I just felt miserable watching it, so I'm still, <laughs> I'm still gonna go a little, uh, you know, not great, but good. I mean, I'm not going much. I'm just going with a straight seven. I, I think it's mm-hmm. good, but I wish it had more of a strong like through line and like like i mean it feels it feels mean to say more of a plot because i don't necessarily think it needs more of a plot per se but just maybe like a goal in mind that they're really other than just generally going south because it's not, it's not like there's a specific destination really i mean i think early on he does say we have to try and get to the coast and they do get to the coast but 
it never feels like they're trying to accomplish something specifically and it's very episodic like i say in these segments i do think there maybe could have been just a stronger arc that i i could really appreciate and get a lot out of by the end however some of the individual moments are very good the music's great it looks like a, a very natural realistic post-apocalyptic world the performance from vigo is good the performance from the kid is good some of the guest actors who pop in for like one scene uh, are good like there's a lot to like here and if you want a good sort of more down-to-earth post-apocalypse it, it is really solid at being that um but it is missing that extra kind of like narrative spark and this is probably something that in the translation from book to movie where the book probably works in this way with just different chapters but as a movie i i, I it would the thing that would take it that one step above is that more through line structure that's building up and it feels like the arc that the kid's going through is more defined so that when we get to the end and he's having to make this this call there's more stakes in that moment uh but you know it's yeah yeah that's what it is but it's still good though i still recommend it for this subgenre because there's a lot in here that's uh definitely worth checking out um but it is not cheery you have to know that going on it's going to be a miserable time no it, this is not a boy and his dog i mean that's not that Which cheery. Is also, also kind of miserable but the last act is like crazy enough to where you're like well that was fun <laughs> eh, it's okay i don't know you like that more than i did yeah, I did. Yeah, okay. Uh, this all right. is more like no blade of grass misery. <laughs> yeah. And with a birthing scene. <laughs> oh, yeah, the flashback. I mean, that's okay. Yeah. It's pretty off. Yeah, but, oh, it's nothing compared to no blade of grass, though. <laughs> I mean, it was awful for that one, was more awful for you to watch, I'm sure, but. As a woman watching Charlize Theron like want to die in that scene, I was pretty awful. I'm like, God, I don't think I'm ever having kids. <laughs> All right, um, but there you go. That's the road. Um, kicking off post-apocalypse season. Um, next week we're looking at Threads, <laughs> which was the vote winner uh, for this batch. Um, our patrons voted between a few options and picked Thread, so we'll be looking at that. Um, which... I have no idea what this movie is. <laughs> uh, nor do I. I had never heard of it until I went looking for post-apocalyptic movies, but it does have a bit of cult movie status. People do seem to recommend it in the post-apocalyptic subgenre, so we'll see how that goes, but that's coming next week. You can, of course, support all the content over at patreon.com slash TV and help keep it coming. And of course, you can like, subscribe, ding the bell for notifications, all those things on YouTube help. Uh, but that is the show. So thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep watching science fiction and computer at Salsa.